Hello, my name's Tom Boom. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will explain why aviation in Germany has ground to a halt again, while I take a look at the new, new, new issue to hit Boeing 737 MAX line. I'll talk about Taylor Swift and the crazy interest in her private jet flights, while Joe looks at why one European airline is weighing passengers as well as bags. Finally, Tom will explore something avgeeks will love about the new Apple Vision Pro. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to start by discussing what's been going on with German aviation this week. Now, you may remember that on last week's podcast, I spoke about airport security workers going on strike at major German airports. Well, Lufthansa has now had a second week of major disruptions after some 25,000 of its ground staff across multiple divisions staged strike action on Wednesday. The strike began at 4 a.m. on Wednesday morning and finished at 7.10 a.m. on Thursday. It's a bit of a strange time, I think, but um, no, no, no judgment there. But it impacted Lufthansa and other airlines who were also using its ground handling staff. But why are the employees striking? Well, Verdi, who's the union that represent the employees, said that Lufthansa has presented a completely inadequate offer regarding pay and condition improvements, accusing the airline of being unwilling to improve their first and only offer to avoid industrial action. Marvin Roshinsky, who's a negotiator at Verdi, commented, this strike would be unnecessary if Lufthansa were to grant group, uh, ground employees the same increases as other groups in the group. However, there were no willingness to do this at the negotiating table. We therefore have uh, hope that passengers will understand. If Lufthansa does not realize this after the first warning strike, then the employees are prepared to go on longer strikes. Um, just addressing that, I feel like all of the passengers affected won't understand uh, because that was a real, um, real impact to the flights. But I'll talk about that a bit more in a minute, um, a Lufthansa spokesperson told us that the airline has offered the impacted employees an inflation adjustment bonus of 1,000 to 1,500 euros on both March 1st and June 1st, a 200 increase in basic pay from September 1st, a 3% increase in basic pay from April 1st, 2025, and an additional 2.5% increase in basic pay from April 1st, 2026. And that also comes with an additional 3% budget for other benefits. So, commenting on um, for the airline, Dr. Michael Nijerman, who's a member of the board and human resources officer and labor director, that's a long title, <laughs> um, he said that we want to and must be a reliable partner for our customers and find constructive and sustainable solutions together, especially in challenging times. These can only be achieved at the negotiating table. Unfortunately, I cannot recognize this assumption of responsibility on the part of Verdi. Even before the actual negotiations have begun, the union has announced a warning strike today which will place a disproportionate burden on our guests and employees. So what was that dis uh, disproportional burden? Well, Lufthansa cancelled around 90% of its flight schedule on Wednesday, impacting over 100,000 travellers. I dug into some data from our friends at Sirium, and originally Lufthansa had 950 flights scheduled worldwide on Wednesday. Um, I also dug down into each airport that had striking workers, and each had the following departures planned. So 
Berlin had 23 departures, Dusseldorf had 15 departures, Frankfurt had the most at 279 departures, Hamburg had 23 departures, and Munich had 204 departures. But also remember that for every departure there is from an airport, there's also an arrival. So it really stacks up. And, um, you know, I just, I flew uh, with British Airways, thankfully, back yesterday to Frankfurt. And then I took the uh, like little train that goes between terminals over to Terminal 1. And it was just eerie how quiet it was. It was, I, I it felt quieter than during COVID, and during wow. COVID it was pretty quiet. So this mm. is just shows the impact of the strike. And I also got a lovely photo of the departure board just saying cancel, 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 cancel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, hopefully a deal can be reached between the two, and we'll avoid more action like this. Mm, we don't want this sort of thing going on over Easter or, God forbid, the summer season. Um, yeah, at least it's not too busy a travel time at the moment. Yeah, I guess that's the only saving grace. And I guess Wednesday is not peak travel either. So Still, mm. it needs to stop. Please stop striking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from strikes to, well, strike five, I think, for the 737 MAX, there have been issue after issue with Boeing's best-selling narrow-body plane. Um, of course, it's going, undergoing some more inspections at the moment on the back of that Alaska Airlines door plug incident. Um, and this week, Boeing flagged that near-term MAX deliveries are likely to be delayed after finding a new issue with the planes. Um, um, so the plane maker has said that it was alerted to non-conformance in the fuselages of 50 undelivered jets by one of its suppliers. Um, they didn't specify the supplier, but we can read between the lines that it was Spirit Aerosystems. Um, so Boeing said that the rivet holes on the fuselages may not have been drilled exactly to our requirements. So it's a very kind of wishy-washy statement, not really um, giving us much information on what's actually wrong. But Boeing did say it's not an immediate flight safety issue and that all of its 737 MAX aircraft can continue in operation. So um, obviously, this is part of Boeing's kind of push for quality control and not letting little things slide. Stan Deal sent a note to employees, which Reuters got hold of. Um, and he said that we currently believe we'll have to perform rework on about 50 undelivered airplanes. This issue could delay some near-term 737 deliveries, but this is the only course of action given our commitment to deliver perfect airplanes every time. While the delay in shipment will affect our production schedule, it will improve overall quality and stability. I mean, Boeing just cannot be putting any planes out of the door with even the smallest of defects right now because the whole world's watching. Do you know what I mean? Not right now, but any time, you know, these defects shouldn't be happening at all. It, no, like, no, Especially absolutely. now, but especially anytime. now. No, they should be perfect aircraft and, and as safe as possible. And of course, all this comes, as I mentioned, on the back of the 5th of January incident that left a gaping hole in the side of an Alaska Airlines MAX 9 after the door plug blew out. In that insta incident, the pilots did land safety safely and there were no serious injuries to passengers or crew. But investigations, of course, have begun and regulators are looking into quality control issues at Boeing. Um, more than 170 MAX 9s that were fitted with the same door plugs were grounded for inspections. They've now returned to service on the 27th of January. So they're all back flying. Um, for major operators like Alaska and United. Um, but the NTSB has released its initial findings from the probe and it's concluded that the four bolts that are meant to lock this door plug into place were not installed at the point of the flight. So um, 
The door plug was manufactured by Spirit Aerosystems and originally installed in the fuselage and then the plane was delivered to Boeing to finish off. Um, But the preliminary report report says that the door plug was later removed again in Boeing's factory due to some damage that had occurred during the production process. So um, they've got some photographic evidence that suggests when the plug was reinstated, at least three of those four locking bolts were not put back in place. Um, There was damage to the door plug and its hinges and a lack of damage to the areas where the bolts should have been that all suggests there were no bolts in the door plug on January the 5th. That's uncomfortable reading for Boeing, which has already faced criticism over the last couple of three years over corporate culture and quality control. Um, In response to the report, Boeing has admitted its accountability for what happened. And Boeing's president, Dave Calhoun, said, an event like this must not happen on an airplane that leaves our factory. We simply must do better for our customers and their passengers. We're implementing a comprehensive plan to strengthen quality and the confidence of our stakeholders. So Boeing continues to be dragged over the coals. You know, I've seen stuff from Michael O'Leary this week saying he's losing confidence. Um, Emirates chief um, as well is losing confidence. Tim Clark, you know, it's really shaking the world and it's shaking the public, which is the biggest issue, because as soon as the customers stop wanting to fly the Max, that becomes a major issue for airlines. So hopefully they can get all their ducks in a row in 2024 at last. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) I haven't said that in so long on the podcast. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it can only really go up for Boeing from here, surely. (laughs) Hopefully the Maxes are going up as well, not down... (laughs) Well, um, that was in poor taste. I'm sorry. <laughs> I swiftly move swiftly moving on. That's a good. That's a good segue. <laughs> um, so swiftly moving on. It's been a relatively big week for aviation news. If you happen to be an international pop star called Taylor Swift, I think that's one of my best segues yet, and it was totally <laughs> unintentional. Um, the singer songwriter is reported to have taken legal action against her private jet being tracked through her legal team, uh, suggesting there could be a little bit of bad blood. The attorneys of the world-famous pop and country star Taylor Swift have officially sent a cease and desist letter to the owner of the popular jet tracking social media account. Now, the owner is someone that I think we've talked about on the podcast before called Jack Sweeney. He's a college student in the University of Central Florida, and he utilizes public flight tracking data to post where Swift's jet has taken off and landed. He also runs jet tracking social media accounts for several popular celebrities and politicians across the world. The attorneys representing Taylor Swift sent Sweeney an initial letter asking him to stop operating the account in December of last year, per the Washington Post. Katie Wright uh, Marone is a lawyer for Venable LLP and headed the cease and desist letter. Per the USA Today, the letter stated, while this may be a game to you or an avenue that you hope will earn you wealth or fame, it's a life or death matter for our client. Miss Swift has dealt with stalkers and other individuals who wish her harm. Marone continued in the letter and stated that the act of running a jet-tracking social media account was stalking and harassing behaviour. The letter also stated that there was truly no need for this information to be displayed publicly. Since the initial letter, Swift's team of attorneys have sent Sweeney a second follow-up letter. The information came to light just a month after a man was charged with stalking and harassment outside Taylor Swift's New York City house, and the attorneys of Taylor Swift believe that there's a connection to the jet-tracking account. A spokesperson for Swift told The Guardian, we cannot comment on any ongoing police investigation, but we confirm the timing of the stalkers suggests a connection. His posts tell you exactly when and where she should be. 
So Sweeney has maintained that the information he displays across all his various social media accounts is public information. So it seems like he's not feeling like the anti-hero. Currently, Sweeney operates social media accounts that track the private jet movements of several celebrities and famous figures across the world. And, you know, some of these are Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, among others. And Elon, you know, he's, of course, yeah. famously. Um, you know, personally, I'd side with Sweeney because if the account didn't exist, it wouldn't stop people tracking the jet. It just means they'd have to be a little more proactive. But I know places where you can get the data elsewhere. Um, but that's not the only reason Taylor Swift's in the aviation news at the moment. You may be aware that she's due to sing at the Super Bowl this coming weekend. So Swift will effectively end up time traveling to get from a concert in Japan. She's expected to go on stage at um, six o'clock local time in Japan and finish a 44 song long concert at around 21.15. The logistical details of when the flight will depart are currently unknown, but in theory there'll be more than 24 hours of margin. The drive from Tokyo Dome to the city's Haneda Airport is about 25 minutes, meaning that Taylor Swift could be airborne by 2200 on Saturday in Tokyo, which is around 5am in Las Vegas. The flight should take around 10 hours, meaning that she should land in Las Vegas a few hours before it departed Tokyo, giving her time to shake it off before the halftime show. If you're thinking, Tom, you need to calm down, and is it over now after all of the Taylor Swift songs I dropped in that segment? Are you ready for it? The airlines also got in on the fun, numbering some of their special Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl flights after the star. Among the special flights are AA1989 and UA1989 after Swift's fifth studio album. Hopefully, not only the young among our listeners got all of those references. But Joe, I got so carried away that I forgot that you existed. What's your next story? <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know Taylor Swift songs at all. I did recognise a couple in there. Um, I can tell you work really hard on your puns, so hopefully our listeners appreciated it more than I did. But I'm more of a Foo Fighters girl than a Taylor Swift girl, I'm afraid. Um, Anyway, sounds like a weighty issue for Taylor Swift. And uh, I'll tell you which other airline is having a weighty issue this week. And that's Finnair, because um, the airline has revealed it will start weighing passengers ahead of their travels between now and May. Um, it's said that this is to um, contribute to ba aircraft balance calculations. And it's important to note this story's gone kind of viral on this kind of mainstream media and everybody's kicking off about it. But you don't have to be weighed. All the passengers that are being weighed are volunteers. There's no personal data collected. And actually, it's not the first time the airline has done this. So um, there were volunteers that travelled both for business and leisure that came forward to participate in this weigh-in five years ago. So what they're doing is um, participants are weighed on scales with their hand luggage in their hands or on their backs. Um, and then a figure is recorded. They're also asked about their travel class, age, gender, things like that. But no other information is documented and the identity of the volunteers remains anonymous. You know, they don't even tell the volunteers what their weight is. It's literally just data gathering. So the reason for this is because Finnair wants to have up-to-date information for its future flights. People's weights change. People carry more or less in their baggage. It's important to know what the current situation is. Um, Finnair's head of ground processes, a chap called Satu 
Manaka explained that the company uses this weighing data for average calculations required for the safe operations of flights. And actually, the volunteers that are participating in this study are going to be playing an important role within the broader spectrum of air travel too, because the average weights that are calculated based on the measurements will be delivered to Traficom, which is the Finnish Transport and Communications Agency, um, that should be all completed by September this year. And after confirming the weights, they'll be then used for balance and loading calculations for 2025 to 2030. What this is about is checking if people have changed. And of course, people do change. Um, and as I say, it's not compulsory for anyone. They're putting their weighing area around a select number of flights at departure gates in Helsinki. And there'll be selected European flights that offer the weigh-in um, in the Schengen area and a number of long-haul flights departing from the non-Schengen side. But, you know, when you see a headline like this airline wants to know your weight, people start kicking off and the backlash has been enthusiastic. I particularly enjoyed the Daily Mail's t uh, take on it, who coined the term thin air, and accused the airline of fat shaming. Um, people on social media have dubbed the policy draconian, calling it a sign of a nanny state. Social commentator Mark Ryan Parsons says there should be a fat tax on planes um, and that people should be forced to buy two seats if they're over a certain weight. Plus size model Haley Hasselhoff also slammed the airline, saying it's triggering for people with eating disorders. Thankfully, despite the inordinate amount of attention on this particular story, most of the comments, commentators have been supportive of Finnair, with many saying that they'd be more than happy to be weighed if it contributes to the future safety of air travel. That's exactly what I think as well. I don't care how much I weigh and how much my bag weighs, but the airline does. And if it makes my future flight safer, then of course. And let's remind ourselves of that bizarre incident last summer where an EasyJet flight from Lanzarote to Liverpool was forced to off-boat off board a bunch of its passengers because it was too heavy to take off. So they were facing inclement weather conditions and the flight would have been capable of taking off with all its passengers under normal circumstances. But there was a variety of things affecting this flight, including wind speed, wind direction, the short runway at Lanzarote and the hot temperature that the pilots decided made it too risky. In the end, 19 passengers disembarked the aircraft. They did all right out of it because they were offered up to 500 euros, which is about $550, to stay in Lanzarote for an extra night and then to catch another flight the next day. So inconvenient for some, but I feel like they made their dollar out of it. And to put this in context, Finnair isn't the only airline in the world that weighs passengers. So Asiana in South Korea has been weighing passengers for some time. Last year, it weighed around 5,000 domestic passengers and last month, it was starting to weigh international passengers with their carry-ons traveling through Seoul Gimpo as well. Um, there are some routes where you have to be weighed to get on the plane. For example, Qantas weighs its passengers that fly through Lord Howe Island because the airport's got a very short runway. And in New Zealand, the Civil Aviation Authority holds a weight week every five years to understand the average weight of adult flyers to help the pilots calculate takeoff weights. So while everybody's kind of up in arms about this, and it might seem like a very inappropriate campaign at a first glance, it's actually a, an integral initiative that helps to op optimise safe flight operations. Oh, spit it out, Joe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the whole reason that this originally, this idea originally came around was because of, directly because of an air crash where, you know, they'd done the weight and balance based on the average American weighing, I don't know, like 80 kilograms. Um, but the, because the, the people in general across the world are getting heavier, um, 
you know, they hadn't calculated for this additional weight and the plane crashed shortly after takeoff because it was overweight. So, there's, it, you know, it's fine the Daily Mail just being like, oh my God, this is happening. But they they should also explain the sort of background behind it. Yeah, um, it's kind of irresponsible of some of the tabloids to be kind of fueling the fire on this particular topic because it is just about safety. My my mum texts me this uh, Daily Mail headline actually and said, <laughs> oh my God, can you believe airlines are doing this? And she never texts me about aviation, which is fine. <laughs> but, you know, then I took the time to explain to her exactly why this has happened. I didn't read this article at all, but I explained um, why this is happening and why it's important. And she was like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, I'd have no issues being weighed. I don't particularly want to be told what my weight is, but, you know, if it helps an airline, I'll, I'll mm. stand on the scales with my bag. That's fine. Well, I wanted to talk to wrap up a bit about something really heavy that you could take on a plane with you. <laughs> um, and we've seen some people already doing that, but um, a little shorter segment for me to finish on. Another craze from the past week is the Apple Vision Pro, which launched in the US. And there's been a wave of memes and ill-advised videos. You know, I'm really interested to see how the FAA reacts to this video I saw of somebody flying a plane wearing one, because I don't think it's going to go down well. We saw what happened to that guy who intentionally crashed his plane for YouTube views, got sent to prison so um but you know if you have one and you aren't operating any machinery and want a cool aviation related experience then you should download four flights voyager app um, because the app leverages the spatial computing abilities of the vision pro um, and it allows it to develop a 3d airport experience where users immerse themselves in a real-time environment so what they do is that they take satellite imagery, high-resolution terrain, and live traffic data, and then they plot it all on a floating disk that's viewable from any angle. So it's kind of like 3D flight radar in front of you, if that makes that's sense. That's cool. Currently, the app allows users to choose either from a curated list of airports, or but they can search for any airport globally, and they can see the real-time projection of an airport that's near them. So Voyager shows any type of aircraft, including commercial business and helicopters that are in the proximity of the chosen airport. Users can also view detailed information about a single aircraft, so its flight plan, type, live speed, altitude, and heading. And it also showcases basic information, such as weather, time of day, the sun's position, and elevation. Tim Schuitz, I've, I'm getting all of the hard to pronounce names today, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> he's the chief executive officer of Four Flight, and he noted that the company has was excited to deliver this unique experience to aviation enthusiasts since Apple's Vision Pro's platform has enabled the company to provide new experiences that were previously impossible. He added that the Voyager app is a great example of the, country's, um, the company's innovative nature. Um, Flight, in case you don't know, is um, one of the primary flight planning apps for pilots these days. I used it when I learned to fly. Um, and it's mainly on iPads and iPhones, but you can also use the flight planning capabilities in the headset, of course, on the ground and not flying an airplane. Uh, but subscribers can access the same capabilities in a new and exciting way. Um, and the Voyager app complements the existing Flight mobile offering. But 
if like me, you can't afford the headset and it's not available in your region yet, there is a cheaper solution. Flight Radar 24 offers a similar feature on one of your screens for mobile and desktop users. Um, you can see a 3D view of an in-flight aircraft uh, with them, and they've partnered with flight tracking service, um, sorry, with Infinite Flight, um, who has supplied ultra-realistic 3D models with up-to-date aircraft liveries. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if you have an Apple Vision Pro, definitely give that a go because <laughs> it looks so cool. I'd love an Apple Vision Pro, but I think they're about two grand, aren't they? And, uh, um, I, I think higher. I think about four grand, but maybe oh, we wow. can expense one for the review. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we we did, uh, we got MetaQuests at, at Christmas, um, which is the same as the Oculus. It's mm. the two, not the three. And I have to say that the VR experience is amazing. My favourite game is Warplanes, Battles Over the Pacific, where you get to fly like vintage World War II planes and shoot down like... Japanese helium balloons and things like that. It's very cool. Um, but yeah, I think there's a whole world of new stuff for in-flight entertainment coming when they manage to slim down these headsets and get AR and VR onto the plane. I mean, it's going to be so much fun. more battery life. Well, yes, more battery life would also be good. I think we get about two hours out of the MetaQuest, which isn't too bad, but it's not great for flying because that's not even half your flight, probably. Anyway, I ramble, but um, yeah, really exciting. I'm loving looking at the Apple Vision Pro and I'm excited to see how airlines leverage all the kind of VR and AR technology for, for their flyers. But I think that's all we've got time for today. So I'm going to stop talking now. We hope you enjoyed it. And as usual, welcome your feedback to editorial at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.